This week, I conducted an experiment on my children. That makes me an evil father, but it is for the betterment of church kind. One morning this week, I snuck out of the house early and I went and bought donuts. Donuts in the Vanderpool house are a rarity. Donuts in the Vanderpool house are a once in a blue moon kind of a thing. They're, they're, they're a very infrequent thing. And so I called the kids down and I got a plate, big plates, and I gave Maddie, my youngest, two huge iced donuts, set it before her. And then I got another plate another plate, and I had half a donut on those plates, and I sat them down in front of my children. And of course, as you would expect, the first thing that they say is, oh, Dad, thank you. <laughs> thank you. We, we almost never get donuts. This is such a treat. Why, why, thank you, Father, for giving us blessings and bounty. No, 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 no. What was the first thing that was said? Within a matter of seconds, my children had ascertained who had what and who had more. I am the same way. There's this conference uh, called the Catalyst Conference. I haven't gone in the last couple of years, and it's basically a bunch of church leaders go to it. And uh, I've got a lot of reasons I haven't gone in the last couple of years, and one of them is this. You go to this conference, and you encounter people, and you look at their wardrobe, and you're like, that's... Banana Republic, you're wearing $1,000 right now. Or, and then they open their bag, and out comes a brand-new Apple MacBook Pro. And you're thinking, that doesn't power your church's media. That's just yours, personal. Okay. And then, but, you know, I would always, well, that's okay. When we get out to the parking lot, this is just stuff they have to have, you know, for the ministry. When we get out of the parking lot, that's where we'll encounter the Dave Ramsey clunkers. <laughs> no. No, brand new SUVs, brand new minivans. And so at the end of the Catalyst Conference, a lot of times I would get into my car, and as I'm driving away, you know what I'm thinking about my car? What a junky car. You know, because this is the 1998 car. It's a little bit older, okay? Um, and, And I notice, I notice in my neighborhood, I live in a nice neighborhood, but I notice like the lady two doors down, she got new windows. I notice who drives up in a new car. You notice these things. It's we all notice. You notice when your friends have a new phone. You notice when your neighbors and, 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 and you come in, they invite you in, and you look, and there it is. Oh, 72 inches with a Bose surround sound system, system, system. <laughs> and you think, oh, what? Okay, you notice. I notice. Um, we all notice these things. Um, you notice... If uh, your friend uh, or your coworker comes in and they've got the jeans, I didn't know this was possible until a few weeks ago. Apparently, you can spend like $175 for jeans. I was floored. <sighs> I know. I think $30 is like, mm, pry it out of my hands, you know. And so, and for those of you that are younger, I, I understand. I get it. See, your buddy comes and they're sporting a new pair of kicks. See, I remember. <laughs> a new pair of kicks, right? These kicks are rockin' kicks. These are the $130 signature line Nikes, not the stinking $40 little Nikes that mom and dad will let you wear. See, I understand. I understand. It's, it's in you. There is the potential in you and in me to obsess about what we don't have. In the olden days, they had a word for it. The word was discontentment. 
You have to say it kind of in a crotchety voice. Discontentment. That was the word that was used. It's hard. It's hard not to notice in America. America has two weird things going on. In America, you're aware of what you don't have all the time because there's somebody in your life who has something newer, faster, brighter, bigger, better. Your neighbors, the people you work with, your sister-in-law who lives in Cleveland, but they call and they tell you about the new, and there it is. And, and so that's the first weird thing about America. The second weird thing about America is that it's one of the few pieces, few places in the world where you need something you didn't know you needed until you saw it. Okay? Are you, are you with me? You need something you didn't know you needed until you saw it. Have you ever been into Sam's Club or Walmart or Target and you're turning the aisle and, what? Hun, they have a... For us, one year, it was a garlic press. Oh, there it was, a garlic press. And we got the garlic press. I didn't know there was such a thing. I didn't know you could buy whole clove garlics. <laughs> okay? Over the years, over the years, we have minced or pressed or whatever the word is, I think two or three garlic cloves. You want to know why? We don't buy garlic cloves. <laughs> Apparently, if, if you're going to have a press, you need to buy whole garlics. That's how it works. But let, let's wade into more, a more common thing. I know some of you men are like, I could care less about a garlic press. I know you could, but let's talk about iPods for a minute. Five years ago, five years ago, if you had opened up on your birthday or at Christmas an iPod that didn't have Wi-Fi, you wouldn't have gone, you would have been doing the happy dance. But now, now, now that you can have Wi-Fi on an iPod Touch, to open another kind of iPod is somehow less. I mean, it's just how it works. It's how it works. In America, everybody is always upgrading all the time. There's always someone in your life who's going to have a new car, a new house, a new kitchen, or a new phone, which makes yours kind of junky. I remember, I've told this story before at Generations. I remember back in the days when people had Palm Pilots. I had a Palm Pilot. I was so happy. My Palm Pilot was a color Palm Pilot. And a friend of mine, Sue Talbert, upgraded and got a tungsten. Oh, a better Palm Pilot. It was aluminum, sleek. It could fly through the air at Mach 3. If you throw it hard enough. That's right. (laughs) And when she got that, mine worked fine. Mine still did all the things I needed it to do, but somehow it just seemed less. I mean, and that's, that's how it works. Andy Stanley has a helpful diagnosis about this, and this is his diagnosis. He says, discontentment is really about appetite. When I first read that from him, I was like, what? But now he's on it. Discontentment is like appetite. What happens to an appetite when you feed it? It grows. Yeah, if you're here and you're a young man, let me digress for a moment. Okay, common thought among young men is, well, you know, because you think about women, you may think about sex, you may think about these things, and you may have this thought that, well, if I just do it once, I'll be good. No, 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 no. It grows, okay? So I'm saying, all right? That's a little digression, but that's not what we're talking about today. (laughs) Two weeks from now, we're all going to be having Thanksgiving dinner. And some of us are going to have two or three or four plates full of food. And at the end, we will be thinking to ourselves, why did I do that? I told myself I was going to stop. And you're going to be frustrated and you're going to need Pepto-Bismol or an antacid. But then five hours later or the next day, guess what? The fridge door will open. 
<laughs> and you will eat more. Let's see, appetite works that way. And uh, how can you combat, how can you ward off an appetite? I mean, think about it. Or how can you ward off discontentment? I mean, it seems almost impossible. Better yet, how can you, uh, how can you be content in a culture that is obsessed with what it does not have? Well, there is a way, and the Bible talks about it, and it's in the book of Philippians, uh, Philippians chapter 4, and that's where we're going to be today, Philippians chapter 4. This is a little letter written by Paul uh, to the church at Philippi. And the cool thing about this letter from Paul is that uh, he, was, he spent time in Philippi, and he developed really close friendships with these people. They were dear to him. They were special people. And he wrote this letter from prison, so we know from the letter that he's in prison when he's writing this letter to them. And the reason he's writing this letter is because out of the blue, the, the Christians at the church of Philippi had collected a, a, up some money because they, they had heard he was in prison, and they sent it along with this guy named Epaphroditus to deliver it to him. So he's writing this letter in response to this gift out of the blue from some very dear friends. The word joy is a big word that comes up a lot in Philippians. Uh, and there's good reason for it. So Philippians 4, uh, chapter 4, verse 10. This is what he writes. How grateful I am and how I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you have always been concerned for me, but for a while you didn't have the chance to help. And here we have the main reason for the letter. He's talked about you know, uh, this amazing stuff in Philippians chapter 2. And he's gone through Christology, big theological stuff. And then he gets to the real reason for the letter, which is, Wow. Thanks. Out of the blue. I mean, I didn't even expect it. I didn't ask for it. And here Epaphroditus shows up and he's got money to help out while I'm in prison because you had to pay for your upkeep in prison. Weird thing. The Romans didn't pay for it. Okay. So in essence, what he's saying in, 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 in verse 10 here is, look, I know you guys couldn't send the money any sooner. It's okay. I know you couldn't do it. It's okay. It's okay, guys. And then the kicker is verse 11. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to get along happily, whether I have much or little. I have learned to get along happily. This, this little phrase literally is this. I have learned in whatever I am to be content. I have learned in whatever I am to be content. And there it is. See, in our culture, we have some phrases that are similar I have learned to keep my mouth shut. <laughs> I've learned that credit cards can get you into trouble. See, those are learning expressions that come from the school of hard knocks. Okay? I've learned. But the, there's good news that Paul uses this verb. It's actually good news for you and me that Paul used the verb, I have learned. Emathon. I have learned. You know why it's good news? You're not born with contentment. There aren't just some people that we could say like, oh, well, you know, Mitch was just born content. Kid could sleep in a barn out on the street. He doesn't care. Doesn't bother him if somebody else has a nicer car. No, Mitch has always been that way. He's just content. No, people aren't born that way. Uh, the other good news is it's not a spiritual gift. It's not like, well, now that I love Jesus, I just don't care anymore. His spirit is all sufficient for me. And when my neighbors drive up in that new Cadillac, I just said, Lord, bless them. It's not a spiritual gift either. Sorry, I'm not meaning to be a little sarcastic, but I am. I mean, this is good news. I have learned means that anybody 
can learn to be content. Anybody in any set of circumstances. And remember, Paul wrote this letter from prison. Anybody can learn to be content. It's not just for a lucky few who were born that way or God went, bing, here's a special gift. No, you can learn to be content. Look at verse 12. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. Full stomach, empty, plenty, little. Too much or not enough in your life can do some really bad things to you. Too much or not enough of stuff in life can really wreak havoc. And Paul's saying, you know what? There have been times where I've had, I've been treated like royalty. Didn't go to my head. It didn't control me. There have been times where... I was beaten and run out of town, and I didn't know where my next meal was coming from. It didn't control me either. I've been content in either situation. Jesus Christ has been enough for me. And then verse 13, this is a famous one we put on our cars. For I can do everything with the help of Christ who gives me the strength I need. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Okay? In this context, this verse isn't meaning... Well, I can do whatever I want with God's help, is it? In this context, Paul's talking about contentment. In other words, I can handle it all. I can handle having a lot. I can handle having almost nothing. And I'm okay with it. I'm content where I am. I'm content. My strength is Jesus Christ. Now, Paul isn't saying, you know what? doesn't bother me if I never sleep on a comfy bed the rest of my life. He, didn't, he doesn't say that. He doesn't say, you know what, I don't even, food doesn't interest me anymore. I don't care. I don't, I don't like food. Food's awful. <laughs> no, he's still, the appetite is still there. He's not some weird aesthetic. He's simply saying that having or not having doesn't control him, and it shouldn't control you or me either. Okay, and here's the bottom line for today. Stop comparing what you have with those who have more. Learn to be content. Well, how? How can you dial up the contentment level? Well, I would suggest start by switching out a question that you may have that, that's always at the tip of your tongue or always at the front of your, of your lobe of your brain. And the question that tends to be there is, well, how come I don't have kid, car, house, life, vice presidency, you know, whatever it is, okay? Well, how come? Just switch that question out with a new one. How's come I have so much? See, we don't tend to think of ourselves that way, but if you're living in America, you're rich by the world standards. What if you started asking yourself, how's come I have two cars? How's come I have three computers? How's come I have so much? Why do I have so much? That question right there could could spawn some new ways of thinking. Well, I know, okay, there are three, I want to give you three practical habits that you could start that could literally start dialing up contentment in your life. Three habits. Habit number one, start by simply being generous. Be generous. Uh, I've learned this by uh, when, when Jenny and I got a brand new car, we had a new car and an old car. Somebody needed to borrow a car, I lent them the new car. And when I did that, that small little act of lending the better of the two cars it kind of cut the car's hold on my heart. It was a generosity is kind of like a discontentment buster. It, it works that way when you're generous, okay? So just 
Practice generosity. That's one thing that can dial up contentment in your life. Another, another thing, another habit that can dial up contentment is this. Being intentional to put yourself in situations where you encounter or are surrounded by people who have less. Okay? I talked about the Catalyst Conference. Okay? I get in my car at the end of the conference. I see all the news shining. And I'm driving away on I-85 out of Atlanta, and I'm thinking my car's junk. But every time I go to the food pantry distribution day, now our church helps out on Tuesday nights, which is where we just pack boxes. But on Thursday, that's where the people receiving the food show up. And if you volunteer on Thursday afternoon, you can help them out to their cars. When you're running that grocery cart up to your car, up to their cars, do you know what I'm thinking a lot of times? You, you can drive that on the road. That's legal. This is not, that pumper's going to like fall off. <laughs> I mean, those are the thoughts I'm having. And so when I get in my car at the end of a food pantry thing, and I grip that steering wheel, you know, the thought that just, I don't even have to think and force myself to think it. You know what the thought is? Man, am I so fortunate. This is an amazing car. I am so blessed. I have so much. Teenagers discover this when they go on these mission trips overseas or to Mexico or to impoverished places like Haiti. All of a sudden, they're calling home and they're like, Mom, you know that $200 that's in my savings account? We got to give it because these kids need X. Well, all of a sudden, see, they're confronted with people who have so little, it amplifies what they have, and, it, and it, the generosity thing kicks in. So the second thing that you can do is to dial up and to be intentional about putting yourself in situations where people have less. The third habit is this. Develop a spending plan. I know, you're like, what? Yes, another word for that is budget, okay? It's a spiritual thing. Developing a spending plan or a budget can actually dial up contentment, and here's why. It places limits on what you can have. I mean, think about it for a minute. There's a good chance that your income is limited. It's a good chance. It is. Despite how many cards you may have, there's a, there's a good chance that your income is actually limited. Um, yesterday, I did a, a homeowner project, first one I've done in a, a while. But I, I redid our front door. I painted it. I put in a new doorbell that's not cracked and broken apart and i put, actually put in a closer if you've been to my house you know the front the screen door goes <laughs> and there's nothing to pull it back well now there's something to pull it back i spent a grand total of 27 dollars which was in the budget wrote checks okay but the second time i was in lowe's i ran into somebody i knew and they and i and they were like well here again <laughs> and they were doing that thing and and they're like what are you here for this time max and i'm like well i need a new doorbell and they're like dude you should so get, you need, what you need is a set of ch- chimes. You need, there's these chimes and they could do the Kentucky fight song. They could do da, 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 da. And I waved, I waved my checkbook and I said, uh, Dave Ramsey hates this. This is a Dave Ramsey redo. It's only what's in the budget. I can afford the $2.75 little button. I can't afford the sixty nine ninety five whatever chimer. Thank you very much, Satan. <laughs> I didn't say it out loud, but I thought it in my head. Okay. All right. Satan. Okay. So a spending plan actually puts limits and it can dial up contentment. It can dial up contentment. These are things that you can do. So, okay, three habits. Start practicing generosity. Be intentional to put yourself in situations where you're surrounded by people who have less. 
and enact and develop a spending plan, which actually puts natural limits on what you can spend and do. Those things will dial up contentment in your life. They'll help you learn to say what Paul was able to say. You know what? I'm okay. If I've got a lot or if I've got a little, I'm okay with that. I'm content. Wouldn't that be a good thing to be in 2011? Just content. Be a beautiful thing.